0: Hello, my name is Joanne Murphy and I'm the Chief Operating Officer at the Charter Banker Institute, the world's oldest professional banking institute. Welcome to our new podcast series on the future of skills and learning in banking. I'm your host for this first series. The idea for these podcasts came from our annual banking conference in November 2020, when we held a panel session on creating a culture of lifelong learning in the workplace, which we casually titled, you don't know what you don't know. If you haven't already seen it, then I thoroughly recommend that you go back and watch the session after hearing these podcasts. Throughout this session, we'll be looking at the many different aspects of the future of professional skills and learning in the banking profession, but we're also intending on occasion to bring banking learning experts together with experts from other sectors to discuss the future of learning and building sustainable careers more widely. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you do, then please feel free to share them more widely via your social media. Hi, my name is Joanne Murphy, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer at the charter Banker Institute, the world's oldest professional banking institute. Welcome to our podcast series on the future of skills and learning in banking. I'm your host, and today we'll be looking at the challenges and changes individuals have faced in career progression as a result of the pandemic, and what steps you can take to get your banking career back on track. I'm delighted to be joined by my guest, David May, Executive Coach, Consultant at Exira Partners and Fellow of the Chartered Banker Institute. Welcome, David, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Hi, Joe. Lovely to see you and be with you today.
0: David, you have many years in helping organisations and individuals navigate dynamic landscape of future skills and building sustainable careers. As a result of the pandemic, what changes and challenges have you seen in career development?
1: Thanks, Joe. One thing that struck me was that even before the pandemic, uh, financial services and banking were really seeing some mega trends already. And those mega trends, a number of us have seen Uh, affecting our careers, our jobs, the organizations we work for, but it's significantly around technology and data um, and the demographics and the globalization as well of how products and services are constructed, designed and delivered. Um, Adopting AI is also another uh, key aspect, as we see that more and more participating in how banks and organisations fulfil their customer service promises. I think it was actually accelerating before the pandemic, but the pandemic has increased it. Um, A number of us have seen, and even in a recent Institute um, podcast that we had with the um, Director of Economics at Matt West, he was talking about the acceleration of a number of trends, particularly in the retail world and how um, whether it's internet shopping, uh, being able to do things online through your phone, through your tablets, had accelerated four to five years in terms of retail retail behaviors. I think banks are in that place as well. So careers were already being impacted by these mega trends. I think it's accelerated. And also other things that have really, I think, come to the fore. Uh, first off, location, flexible location, and working hours. Um, company structures. Company structures are also changing, and I think how organisations have had to respond to the challenges of a pandemic, both economic and providing customer service, is impacting on company structures. We're also beginning to see new jobs emerge, new jobs, new roles, um, but also increased mobility in a bizarre way. And What I mean by that is not necessarily physical mobility, but people needing to or having to change roles and then we're going to come to it later that brings out even more being aware of the skills you have and the skills you need and how you can develop them and alongside all that as well is how can you embrace new technology i'm sure we'll discuss it in the next uh, wee while but how can technology help you learn one of the things that really stood out for me is how people have been able to learn and embrace technology in learning through lockdown and through the pandemic and i know the institute has offered a huge amount in terms of lockdown learning and that's one of the standout things in terms of people can learn differently in their own time in their preferred ways as well so i think those are some of the challenges other aspects i think is we're human beings after all we're social animals and how we learn so what i've come across is how do you do a virtual induction either joining an organization or a leader of a team. I've come across a number of leaders who've never met their teams physically, and they joined just the time as lockdown started last year. Those are the things. So the new new things is how do you actually learn and develop in a virtual world? And how do you be proactive in making connections? Another thing I think we've got to be slightly wary of is the new presenteeism. And it's something I'm beginning to observe that as people understandably are encouraged to return to work, then how do we, how can we be aware of the impact on those who either need to remain at home for caring, for demands, and just being conscious that in the past, perhaps the predominant caring roles or flexibility roles has fallen to female colleagues. And as people are encouraged to go back to work, I just think we have to be sensitive and aware that a new type of presenteeism, as in those who are in the office, let's be aware of either gender or any other profiles that show up and be proactive about thinking about that and acting upon if that begins to happen. So I, that, I guess those are some things, Jo, that are going to come into mind.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think um, that really resonated with me about the whole and this new whole in or out of office culture and how to be really aware of it and it's not until we've been all out of the office that we've suddenly realized that that actually exists Um, and how do we get this new and this new world of potentially hybrid working that we're moving to how do we get the best of that how do we get a new culture established So David, just building on those last points, are there any skills or areas in particular that you've seen that will be in demand and endure beyond the pandemic?
1: Absolutely, um, Joe. Uh, Skills that were there before and which were beginning to um, accelerate in importance, but also I think they significantly have been amplified during the pandemic. Um, And I think they'll continue to accelerate uh, as the world responds uh, to the current pandemic and thinking about afterwards. And these are around data, uh, knowledge of data, how to capture data, how to store data, how to use data as the new lifeblood of information for organizations, doing that digitally and through digital platforms. Um, And what does that mean in terms of a customer experience or product design? but also being aware of digital challenges in terms of risk and the skills, even from a human resources perspective, of what skills are required. Partnerships. This is about partnerships in terms of how do you form partnerships with colleagues, but also beyond with other organisations to help you meet your customer needs in terms of building platforms or reaching out to them. Agile. Agile in a way of how do you respond. Technically agile, so scrums, things like that. Um, but also how do organisations come together to solve problems. I'm seeing increasingly people are identifying that to be quick, but also to tap into the knowledge and skills of more than one department, then working in an agile way is vitally important. I've seen that being dialed up and amplified. As has change, change management, focus on customer journeys in a new digital world. Those are things that I seeing amplified. And leadership. Leadership and management, that's really been heightened um, and how you can empathetically lead and manage people and work with colleagues in the pandemic, recognizing the individual situations that people find themselves in, particularly if they've been working from home and the conditions in terms of how they've been working from home. I see that aspect of leadership and management being really amplified. And in the vast majority of occasions, I've seen colleagues respond positively to that. And that's something that you can't go back to a previous way of managing. That understanding and leading with humanity, empathy, vulnerability even, is something that people will have experienced during the pandemic. uh, And they will look for that to continue, even when we get back to working maybe in the office or in a hybrid situation. That is really important. And it helps people be resilient and building on that resiliency will be success. So that type of leadership is really important. So those new skills, those amplified skills, leadership management, empathy, resilience, but that's based on the bedrock of your professional technical skills. So whether that's the technical learning that you can secure through the Institute or in your organizations, but also new things like our sustainability and green finance those are the technical skills that we required going forward as well and even more as the challenges we face how
0: important then do you see the the sort of mentoring and coaching that that people can use to support their career development and that how has that changed during this period
1: in some ways it's become more difficult but in other ways it's provided a new type of opportunity so first of all um i think when people think about their careers, and this will lead on to, in terms of coaching and mentoring, Joe, there's, there's, a, there's a Japanese phrase, Aikijai, which is when you think about work and what you want to do with work, what do you love? What does the world need? What can I be paid for? And what am I good at? And when you think about what am I good at, what skills I have, then, you're, then the next question is, okay, so if I'm going to do what I love, what I'm good at, with whom am I gonna do it? So who are the people that you like to do what you're good at with? And then where, where is, both well, physically and geographically, but where in terms of an organization which aligns to your values, your cultures, what do you want to get out of a working life and out of a career? Thinking about those things is really important. And as you explore what you're good at, with whom do you want to do your work and where, it's about forging connections. So to the degree, it's more important than ever that you identify, my phrase is your support holder group, as in who are the people who I am connected to that will help me explore those questions in terms of what am I good at with whom and where. And be proactive in making connections somebody once said to me um getting a mentor is really important or getting a sponsor and sponsorship it's it's not who you know but who knows you because how do you get yourself known and network a network can be colleagues um but mentoring and coaching i think is vitally important at the moment because if you take coaching and i may be biased here Often when you're in a um, working alone or working hybrid, your physical ability to have conversations about how you can become the best version of yourself may be more limited. So finding somebody who you can work with as a coach to help you be the best version of yourself, who can thought partner you, who can mirror you, who can challenge, um, and where you can go in a safe space, I think is really important in these times, particularly as you're thinking about going back to work. But so as a mentor, somebody who can be a guide for you in terms of a career development career thinking of what job next what route should i take and sharing experiences that they have had which is different to coaching um, is vitally important so being proactive and looking for those and finding opportunities i know people may say well that's all very well how do you get that and that's one of the things that the institute has done its mentoring program both the value it, it brings to mentors who think they can really add value, but also then the mentees who'll be able to be able to touch base as part of the professional network. Um, it's a super opportunity and I'm not sure uh, if it's a if it's an underutilized one. It's such a great story that the institute has there in terms of connecting members and experienced members and members of the beginning parts of their career together. So I think it's massively important.
0: I was actually going to say because one, I think one of the, one of the areas that has improved as a result of the pandemic is also reverse mentoring. Is yeah. so that opportunity? Because as we've spoken about the future skills, there'll be things that people potentially are not digital natives. But actually, there's also that value in reverse mentoring. And, and that is one of the things that we can do through the mentoring programme is that you can join up with people who are the experts in different areas that, that can give you
1: that mentoring and support as well. So, so I and think well, that's, you're that's... You're spot on, Jo. And I, and I think the wonderful thing that mentors and mentees have is that they both wish to explore learning, learning from each other. So I think the best mentoring uh, partnership is when both, both parties can give something to the other party. And when you may have somebody say a younger generation who's more digitally savvy or technically able, then creating something where the mentor can also learn is really creating value together. Networks as well, Joe, you have to forgive me, but I am a passionate advocate of the Institute. And one of the things that struck me when we created a membership forum was Bear in mind, the members there were student members right through to retired fellows, um, the sense of community. And I think community is a massively important thing at, at these COVID times. Virtual communities and connecting people um, is vitally important. What I observed uh, in the membership forum, and this is also, I guess, when you when we have people joining number of the events that the institute hosts is that first of all they're building skills and knowledge and that helps their employability so their security but also they belong to something and they belong to something more than their individual office unit organization they belong to a community of passionate professionals and that matters and they also feel part of something so what i mentioned about that Japanese concept and almost having a directional purpose what I've seen people feeling part of the community, particularly where the Institute has been looking at sustainability and green finance, is it really connects people with a deeper purpose, and I don't think you can underestimate that sense of community if you're finding that and being able to tap into that through the Institute as an example network. And
0: that was a point I was going to do, you is that that change in what we'd have known as networking because those opportunities for people to get together in the same room be at the same event or meet other people that that's completely changed now that that opportunity so so that would be an area um that i was going to actually speak to you about was you know is it still possible to develop a professional network
1: absolutely and when i've been um doing a case study in my own house with my 23 year old daughter is seeing how she works online. And it's amazing in terms of whether, whatever social media you use, how you can find people with shared interest or shared needs, um, even to the extent I've been introduced to TikTok in an amazing way, Joe. But interestingly, there's little communities on TikTok, even about uh, retail management and management and talking about how you think about delegation. And then the chat starts and you can connect. Um, so seeing it through the eyes of my daughter, I've learned a number of new things, and perhaps the ju- younger generation compared to those who are approaching 60 have been able to find different ways of connecting. But the most powerful thing is, and having read some recent studies on neuroscience, is that human beings are social creatures. They learn from each other. And finding ways to connect, I think human beings are hugely innovative but there are great ways. The Institute provides ways. There are forums through various learning organisations, governmental things. One of the things my daughter did as well, did as well because she didn't, um, she didn't secure her internship post university. She joined a group about, uh, who knew, people who were on furlough or made redundant from ho- hotel and hospitality there's a group that you can learn and the Scottish government facilitated that. So there is a number of avenues out there and she's made some great connections. And what I'm always genuinely lovely surprised about is that if you ask for help, then the vast majority of of human beings will find ways of helping and connecting. It's getting over that initial asking for help. Do
0: you think that, With the speed of change, and as you said, you know, we've got the, the mega change, the speed of change in technology, it is more difficult now to build a sustainable career without being an active learner. Um, and I just wonder, is there anything more that the institute or or banks can do actually to support people, you know, to encourage career development and, you know, continuous professional education focuses on upskilling people for these Future skills
1: and future jobs. Absolutely. Um, one of the fundamental things I believe in learning, and I guess you would I say you would do this, bear in my my career. But also learning, I think, keeps people healthy and young. It actually enables the brain to expand. It creates new neural pathways. So I think it's fundamental to mental health to help people to continually learn. So I see it as a major responsibility of society. And I guess we've just seen some of the announcements uh, which will be coming in the Queen's speech today about the government or the the UK government investing again in skills. I think it's vital for the the health and wealth of individuals and the nation. For organisations, yes, I think they need to ensure they're being clear about the skills they need and provide learning to help people develop those so I think being transparent about those skills and also be clear on areas that are going to be automated so people don't spend too much time learning skills which will be redundant and being as open and transparent about that but also to really encourage people to think what their skills are I mentioned earlier about what are you good at often people don't think like that but I genuinely think that going forward the whole talent market will be based on people's skills, rather than jobs. Skills which will be your passport to future roles. Just as we have passports, or we used to have passports to be able to travel, then literally understanding what you like, having your skills, developing those skills is be important. Um, I also think it's important both for the professional bodies and organizations to have an open dialogue about how people can future-proof themselves if they're even if that their career might not be in the organization which is why i talk about a passport skills and skills awareness will give you a passport in the roles that you want to do if they continue to exist even if they don't continue to exist in your organization um one of the things i'd also if people really want to investigate is the financial services um skills council it's we may even be able to append a link, Joe, to the, to, the, uh, to, the, to the podcast today. But tapping in and seeing what the Financial Services Skills Task Force, which I know the Institute of Members are as well, are looking at how the world will change. Being aware of those, you can quickly dial in and look into those type of skills. So being aware of the future trends. And finally, I think what the Institute done has done, particularly over lockdown, um, but other organisations have done as well, is helping people to learn in bite-size. I'm immensely proud of what lockdown learning has achieved through the Institute, and being, people being able to learn new skills in a much more accessible and way. Um, but with busy times, with people a little bit stuck, at the, stuck in their home offices, whatever those home offices looked like, um, being able to have bite-sized learning, in areas that will help them improve their employability and security of employment is vital. And as I said, I'm hugely proud of how the institutes responded to that.
0: I think I think we're just to build on that point. I think where we've tried to get people to focus and they're thinking about their skills and their future skills that they need is is to develop that curiosity, have <laughs> yes. a curious mindset, and and you know and and be adaptive. So yes. I think your point earlier um, about how you look at what you're good at, think about those, what we call meta skills, which is, is your critical thinking. Are you good at that? Are you good at being adaptive? These are the areas to develop alongside your professional knowledge. Um, and, and that's a way that you can learn and we've got resources that can support people to do that. I have one final question for you, David, and it's about the best piece of career advice that you were ever given.
1: So, um, Joe, you may have seen it on my LinkedIn how oh, many, many years ago, coming up to 40 years ago, I, I fluffed my A-levels and I was all set to go to Midland Bank. Um, but I had my uh, my alternative up because Midland Bank wouldn't get sponsored me to go to Loughborough University. But you know, anyhow, I didn't get there, but I joined that West and my first admin manager at NatWest took me under his wing as a little person who perhaps was a little bit deflated after failing that particular A-level. And you just mentioned it. He said, be curious, explore every opportunity, don't set yourself any limitations, David, and always find ways to be learning, learning about yourself, your role, your organization, your profession, your world. Just keep learning um and that chap crikey that was 1981 <laughs> but as an admin manager he's he's been in my head ever since my 6th of october 1981 joe when he had a chat with me as i joined that west um that stayed with me and perhaps that's influenced my, my life afterwards because as i said earlier i think learning keeps you young it keeps you resilient and i actually think it makes you more of an interesting and attractive person as well um so yeah being curious not setting yourself limitations and learning
0: that's that's brilliant david absolutely great advice and i hope our members and and listeners are, are taking notes so thank you so much um that's actually all we have time for today so i'd just like to thank david again for his insightful contributions which i'm sure our audience have found helpful and many thanks again to our audience for listening remember there are further Podcasts available to you on the Future Skills and Learning and this
1: series. So please visit the Charter Banker website for more details. Okay, thank you. Bye bye.